2: Would you believe it?
0: This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.
3: Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, live in studio for the next couple hours, Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Damon Cotton behind the wheels of steel, your boy, Q. And I'll tell you right now, man, what a great way to walk into the studio. JT the Brick just had Andre Bad Moon rising on the air. Only had him about 10 minutes, but, man, that was a quality 10 minutes. Opened my eyes to some things I didn't know and realized about Andre Bad Moon Rising. Didn't realize he was a Freddie Belitnikov guy. Didn't know that he had so much, uh, you know, respect and, and ad- admiration for the Silver and Black and the great Freddie Bolitnikoff. So that was great to hear. Nice little Al Davis story that he uh, he told JT talking about Rich Gannon also, uh, you know, kind of recruiting him to the Silver and Black and. Uh, Yeah, that was that was cool, man. That was really great. And every 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 week, you know, sometimes a couple times a week, JT is able to have a a, a Raider alumni on the show. And uh, today just happened to be Andre rising. And I know that they had him and Bobby had to kind of jump through some hoops to be able to get him on the air. But man, if you're gonna jump through some hoops. That was a good one to jump through some hoops for. So um, very, very good job right there and love coming into the show now uh, off that kind of momentum. And we've got an action packed show for you this afternoon as well. Matter of fact, we don't have a whole lot of time for open lines, but when we do we definitely want to hear from you, Raider Nation, want to know what you've learned about this team. What have you learned about the Silver and Black, the 2021 team so far this preseason and this training camp? And I know, I get it. There's uh, still a, a, another preseason game to go and you still have to see cutdowns, but If you have a certain understanding or you feel like you have a certain understanding of this team, let me know what it is. 702-365-9200. Of course, the Salmon Ash text line also wide open like some old school TV antenna, 69187, keyword R&R. And like I said, action-packed show today. Coming up in in the next segment, as a matter of fact, at 2.15, Coach Jed Fish from Arizona, the Arizona Wildcats, they're going to open up their uh, college season on September 4th, the Las Vegas kickoff. Classic going on at Allegiant Stadium, Uh, Arizona and BYU. We've been getting out tickets to that. Matter of fact, I do believe I have some tickets to give out to that today. We'll make sure to double check. But uh, Coach Jed Fish is going to join us in the next segment just to talk about that event, talking about opening up at Allegiant Stadium, how he feels as a new head coach there. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of new going on around that Arizona Wildcat program. And so Coach Fish is going to call us and uh, check in with us in a matter of minutes. 2.30, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Very excited about this conversation. We have him every single week at 2.30. But very excited today because we'll start off and we'll talk a lot about the Hall of Fame. And we'll also talk about Cliff Branch and the fact that he's a senior finalist. And what exactly does that mean? My understanding is that basically means that Cliff Branch is in the Hall. I know that there's some rubber stamping they have to do. I know there's still some presentations that have to be done. But for the most part, and and I don't want to put words in John McClain's mouth, but for the most part, it's just a rubber stamp type situation. And I believe that that's going to be a done deal. Uh, Cliff Branch will be in the Hall of Fame, Class of 2022. Very excited about that. Something I didn't think that I was going to be saying coming off of Tom Flores and Charles Woodson getting into the Hall. Didn't think I was already going to be saying Cliff Branch is going in. And I I say already, and I'm sure a lot of Raider Nation just kind of kind of frowned and said, already? <laughs> it's been way too long. It absolutely has. No doubt about that. But it's good to see that the time is now. So John McClain will join us at 2.30. At 3.15, we'll have Dustin DeHart from Nova Home Loans. He'll join us. Uh, and and there's a lot going on as far as, uh, you know, the, the housing market in Las Vegas. Uh, he joins us every single Thursday at 3.15. The housing market is just crazy. People are actually moving out of the area, uh, moving down the road because it's just so expensive to try to buy a home. Rentals are going up, as I very well know. So I got to continue to pick the brain of Dustin at 315 just to see what's going on and uh, how I can navigate through the waters and actually at some point have a place to live that I can call my own and not one that I'm renting. So uh, I'll get all that information and that intel from Dustin DeHart from Nova Home Loans at 315. And then at 330, Jeff Benson from Circus Sports. He's going to join us to kind of give us the rundown, let us know the betting lines on the Raiders and 49ers preseason game number three. And I'll tell you, DeMond, preseason games are not easy to bet on. I mean, just even talking about them, because you don't know. You just don't have any idea. The the, the 49ers look like they're going to play some starters. The Raiders look like they probably aren't going to play some starters. You know what I mean? So you just... Betting on a preseason game, man, you've got to have some real stones, and yeah, you got to real. Man.
4: <laughs> you're a mad, man. It's just like that's you know like, what I, mean? I like to live dangerously.
3: Right, you are definitely living on the edge if you're betting preseason games. But uh, Jeff Benson will give us all the details on uh, on the game. He'll kind of break it down for us. Uh, tell us where we should be looking at, where we should be leaning, if we are going to go ahead and throw some money down on uh, on the game on Sunday, and then also uh, we'll go through some prop bets. You know, we'll talk about maybe who the league MVP is going to be, uh, defensive rookie of the year. As I've been saying, Trayvon Merrick is a guy that. That I expect to to be in the running for that. You know, what are the odds on that? What are what you know, where's the money going? Where's the money going on the league MVP? I've heard that a lot of money is being placed on Jameis Winston as a league MVP. And the reason for that is, and I had the same reaction you did when I first heard that, is first of all, there's no way that that's gonna happen. There's no way he's gonna be a league MVP, even though he looked good the <laughs> other night. And I do like him. I do like him, but there's just no way he's gonna be a league MVP. I just don't see it unless I don't know. I mean, Crazier things have happened. I mean, the Saints could just all of a sudden be on fire with Jameis, and and who knows? I just, personally, I just don't see that happening. But apparently, if you just drop a little bit of bread on him to be the league MVP, you can end up winning so much more money back. That's why it makes a lot of sense. So that's why Jeff is going to join us at 3.30 to break that down because I'm no smart guy like that. I don't know. I hear the same thing you heard. Jameis Winston MVP, no, not going to happen. So
4: that's that. If the odds are good enough, I'm running to the casino after the show.
3: Well, there you go. <laughs> Circus Sports. You can make it happen. And uh, Jeff will let you know exactly exactly. Exactly how you can go ahead and throw some bread down on uh, on Jameis Winston and uh, uh, among others to be league MVP, who's going to win the division, who you expect to be in the Super Bowl, all that good stuff. That'll come up at 3.30. So, I mean, we have an action-packed show today. Uh, like I said, Raider Nation, I definitely want to hear from you. Six nine one eight seven 8 7 keyword RNR. That's r That's a Sam and Ash text line. So you could definitely hit us up at any time throughout the course of the show. And also want to hear from you when we have opportunity. And we have an opportunity right now if you want to hop on the line, Raider Nation, listen the line 702-365-9200. What have you learned or what do you feel like you've learned about this team, this 2021 team? Have you learned that the defense is going to be better? Have you learned that Gus Bradley is a really good defensive coordinator? Have you learned the fact that they brought on some really good defensive assistants in Ron Miles and Richard Smith? Uh, have you learned that the team's depth isn't as deep as you thought it was? Ooh. I mean, what there's there's a lot of different options you can go. Have you learned that Clee is probably a second team guy and not a first team guy? That's what it looks like right now. Gus Bradley talked to the media earlier. JT played that on the show. And and Gus Bradley, he he's he's been positioning this as I, I want different waves. I want different lines to be able to to get after the quarterback. I want to have the first line, the second line, the third. I want to be able to go in waves to get after the quarterback. And right now the wave that Klee is on. Is on the second wave. I wasn't out at practice today. Uh, they've changed up the time, so it's kind of kind of messes with my uh, availability to get out there to practice because I do have to be here at the station and, and obviously do the show in, in the midday, like or at twelve at two, um, you know, following JT. So there'll be times where I'm not able to go out to practice and see everything. But uh, Vinny Bonsignor, who does in the huddle four to six p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio, said that you know for the second day in a row, Cliff Earl was on the side on the side watching. Then he went to the training room and went to the weight room and, and worked out. But he wasn't practicing. So, you know, this is a big year for him. It's a big year for Jonathan Abram. I think this is a big year for Damon Arnett. And I'm bringing up all these guys that have had availability issues so far in their career.
4: Man, it just, it's standing out. And that's
3: the the nature of the beast when it comes to the NFL. I I said it yesterday. Sometimes you got to be lucky instead of good. You also have to be able to avoid injury. And it's a very hard game to avoid injury in. But when you start getting injured and you're not available, that sticks with you. So when you think of Jonathan Abram, you don't think of any huge plays that he's made. You thought of the fact that, well, he missed his whole rookie year and he missed time last year. Is he going to miss time this year? That's what at least that's what I think of. When I think of Damon Arnett, I think of a guy who had multiple concussions, a guy who had COVID, a guy who went into the, the season with a, a jacked up wrist and a guy that I just saw on, on Saturday when I was in, uh, in L.A. for the Rams game who was on the sideline because he was injured. When I look at a guy like Cleve Ferrell, man, he's really good at, at, at helping setting the edge and stopping the run. When he's not in there, teams run all over the Raiders. And the only reason I know that is because there's been plenty of time he hasn't been in there and teams ran all over the Raiders. Availability. People hate to hear it. They'll 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 curse you. They might not curse you to your face, but they'll curse you, Demon. They hate to hear availability is your best ability, but it's the god-awful truth. I remember when the Raiders went and signed Vontaze Burford and they were even talking about it. I kept saying, no, no, no. That's a terrible signing, terrible signing. Don't do it. Don't do it. And people called me all kind of names. I was hater of the year up and down the block. People talked about my mama. You know, I mean, I'm I'm serious. Like, everyone was so disrespectful and so angry at me because they just thought I was the hater of the year. No, seriously, they thought I was the hater of the year. They're like, what did he do to you, Q? He's got that Raider image. He's got the old school Raider style. And I said, well, first of all, that old school style don't work No, now. You can't go out there and clean someone's clock in the middle of the field. for no. You know, you can't do that. That's called a penalty. But my biggest issue with him was his availability. I went back and I looked and I said, look, he was available for – 16 games once in his career every other time it was six games four games eight games seven games I mean it just he wasn't consistent so I said if you're gonna go and rely on this guy you're gonna go sign him and rely on him how many games do you think you're really gonna get out of him oh he'll be fine Q and you know what I started to believe it because he started to play well the Raiders were stopping the run Gunther was saying that hey man this guy is a guy that I lean on and I could see it coming together so I said okay it's a very minimal signing. He's doing some good things. And then four games into the season, he gets suspended for the rest of the season. So, again, going back to availability, And even though I thought the suspension was BS, thought it was one of the worst suspensions I ever seen, that was more like a, a lifetime achievement award. That's when they suspended him for 12 games. It wasn't really the hit that he did. It wasn't that serious. But it ended up being that serious because he has a rap sheet.
4: And because he was on the Raiders?
3: No, it was because of his rap sheet. He could have been on the Cucamonga <laughs> Cracker Killers. No, no, I mean, no. he could you know what I mean?
4: He could have been playing in no, Rancho Cucamonga for all I know. I know that's what the fans are thinking, though. Well, that's of course. But it, that was his rap sheet. He
3: had a rap sheet that was longer than anything. It was, I mean, it was it was longer than that that old jersey that used to be up there with the uh, the Cleveland Browns, where they always replaced the the quarterbacks. And you've seen it on Twitter. I know, I know. exactly what you're yeah, talking about. Where every time they have a new quarterback, they just wipe the name off and just put another one on there. And it was super long. Vontez Burfitt, his rap sheet was longer than that. And so it was no surprise that when he went and made one bad hit, the league was like, "Yep, you're done for the rest of the season." It wasn't a surprise. Availability. It goes back to availability. Do those guys that I talked about. Is Jonathan Abram going to play the majority of the season? Is Clee going to play the majority of the season? Is a guy like De- Damon Arnett, is he going to play the majority of the season? Well, it's still to be determined. We just don't know. Coming up next, Coach Jed Fish, Arizona head football coach. He's going to join us to talk about the Vegas kickoff classic, Arizona and BYU, September 4th, Allegiant Stadium. That's coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness, Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
3: I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
0: Here's your boy, Q.
3: Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. In a matter of days, the college football season will get kicked off, and it's going to get kicked off in Las Vegas with the Vegas kickoff classic, BYU versus the Arizona Wildcats. And uh, pleased to have right now on the phone lines the head man there with Arizona, Coach Jed Fish. And, Coach, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And how exciting is that to know that the college football season is right around the corner and you guys, the Wildcats, are going to get things kicked off at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas to start the whole season.
1: Oh, we're so fired up, man! Nine days away, we got our uh, we wear whoever has number uh, the jersey of how many days away is wearing gray today. Everybody else is in white and blue, so we can recognize them and see them and, and remember that we're uh, we're pretty close at this point in time, and we can't wait to get to Vegas, and I uh, can't wait to play some football against a team other than ourselves.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing about it. I mean, you guys are going through camp. You've had uh, all, all summer and I know everything's been a little bit more normal than it was a year ago, but still not quite out of the woods, but I mean, how fired up is the team just to get back into action and like you said, play against a team that's not themselves? Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Well, we're I mean, we're obviously at a point right now that uh all the spring, you know, we're tackling, we're hitting, we're competing. Everybody's in year 1, you know, for us, so bunch of transfers coming in, a bunch of young guys coming in, a bunch of veterans that are returning from opting out, a bunch of veterans that were a part of the team last year of a five game season. So you take all this spring then all this summer, then a new strength coach and a new strength program, and then a training camp uh, model that we wanted to really uh, see how much we could get out of these guys. Uh, They are ready. They're ready to play the game. Um, And now they got to go nine more days of preparation. And uh, as coaches, Obviously, we look for as many days as possible regarding
3: preparation. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking right now with Coach Jed Fish of the Arizona Wildcats here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And how have you seen training camp go? Have you How have you seen the transfers come in and, and kind of get acclimated to what you're supposed to be doing there? And also, uh, the guys who opted out, are, are you seeing what you needed to see throughout training camp?
1: Well, I'm excited about the team that we have. Um, I'm excited about the way these guys have worked. Um, I'm excited that we're coming back and we're pretty healthy at this point in time which is uh, you know which is a, a good spot to be going into the season uh we we obviously do have a lot of new faces we have new coaches new trainers new strength coach new players uh and then we also have some guys that were a part of this for a while and they've done an amazing job of leading and really trying to uh get things turned around and in turn you know we're going to see you're look but, uh, we have a new faces, with a mix of the guys that, um, weren't playing last season. And then the guys that were playing, uh, it, it's fun to watch everybody compete and watch everybody get better.
3: And coach, you mentioned a couple of times, having new coaches there with the Wildcats. And I mean, is it for you almost a first day of school type feeling You kind of get those little butterflies in your belly as you know, things are approaching.
1: No. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every morning I, uh, the morning I wake up and, uh, where I feel like I'm waking up earlier and earlier, <laughs> and, uh, not because an alarm is being set, but because you start realizing, you know, the days are the days are coming together, and uh, I'm super excited. But yeah, there's also that fun anticipation, so I feel that uh, I think most competitors get at this time.
3: And you mentioned the other day that uh, your quarterback position, you were going to have two guys go out there and, and play and, and they were going to kind of rotate Gunnar Cruz, Will Plummer. Uh, how do you go? Is it just a, a field type situation as when the one guy plays and when the other guy plays, or do you have kind of a, a game plan in mind?
1: Yeah, well, we're going to map out a little bit of an outline on how we want to do it initially. Um, I just felt as if at the time where we were as a football team that we have two guys that deserve to play. And, um, they're accustomed to tra- trading reps. Uh, most other position groups will do it, uh, no problem. Obviously, when you do it with the quarterback, everybody kind of has a little bit of a panic. <laughs> but uh, I think the truth be told, we've been, we've been doing it all training camp. We've been doing it all spring. We've been doing it all summer. Uh, there's nothing unique there for these guys. So until one of them um, either separates themselves because of poor play or great play. Uh, where they are currently right now, they're both going to have great opportunities to go out there and play. and uh, We'll have a ton of an idea on how the game's going to go and what our plan is at the quarterback spot
3: talking right now with Coach Jed Fish of the Arizona Wildcats here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. How about your opponent, BYU, the Cougars? Of course, they travel really well as far as their fan base. I know uh, the Wildcats fan base is going to travel really well to Allegiant Stadium as well, but uh, what are you looking at for them? Uh, they're a really good team. Uh, how do you approach this first game, and, and what are the biggest challenges that the Cougars are going to present?
1: Well, you know, obviously, there's no question. Um, they're coming off with a great season. Uh, they uh, I think Coach Itaki does a great job with his team. And, um, you know, they're very tough. They're very physical. They're very fundamentally sound. Uh, they don't make any mistakes. They play really, really good, smart, tough football. And um, they're, they present a great challenge in that regard. Is there? Uh, you've got to be able to meet that challenge
3: right absolutely and is there any particular uh not challenge but kind of matchup that you look at and say hey th- this may be a matchup that we can we can r- really exploit of the cougars
1: um you know i don't know if i would say that there's you know a particular matchup that we're going to try to exploit i think for us we're looking at trying to make sure that we just get our pro get our program off the right start right we got to play good smart tough physical football and and then
3: see, uh, see how it goes from there. Have you started to get the, the, the leadership from the guys that you need to see, you know, the guys that kind of step up and, and not only be your players on the field, but also kind of a, an extension of yourself, be a coach on the field?
1: Yeah, you know, we're uh, certainly working toward that. Uh, we have a good leadership council. We'll be naming our captains here tomorrow. Um, we've got, you know, we've got some guys that are really trying to do that. I think really when you're starting off in a new program, a lot of times they're trying to figure out what we want as well. Right. So it's not really fair to them to just kind of put it all on their shoulders and say, hey, if you guys aren't good leaders. We can't win. So our goal is to try to um, cultivate the leadership. Our job is to try to make it better, make it special. And then in turn, uh, in turn we've got to do a great job as coaches to lead this team as well.
3: Coach, I wanted to ask you, how did you know that this was the, the right job for you, the one that you were excited to go ahead and lead these men uh, you know, into the 2021 season?
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's a ton of energy involved in coaching college football and the pageantry of being at a big state university um, that has everything that you could ever ask for, right? It's got um, unbelievable facilities. It's got great weather, It's got 60,000 students, undergrad and graduate school. just have 9,000 freshmen that just arrived on campus on Monday. It's got all of the, you know, really everything you dream about when you dream about coaching in college sports. I went to the university of Florida, so I was accustomed to the big state university.
3: Right. And it's
1: our goal to build what we had there in the nineties and coach earlier here in Tucson. And that's what made it such a special place. And, I really believe it's a place that you could do that
3: at. Talking right now with Coach Jed Fish of the Arizona Wildcats. He opens up the season September 4th at Allegiant Stadium against the BYU Cougars. We're talking here on Unnecessary Roughness. And, and Coach, you, know, you kind of uh, told me some, some good details on even how to recruit players to go to Arizona. And the other day, uh, the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big 12, Ten, they all came out with the Alliance, uh, the, three, the three of those uh, you know, the conferences. Does that help as well in, in recruiting as the fact that there's going to be some big-time matchups across all those conferences now?
1: Well, I think what's uh, pretty awesome about the Alliance is it'll enable our players to play in every time zone. Right. Uh, there's a great opportunity, and I know that's the plan in place, that will permit you know guys to come here and play on the East Coast, the Central Time Zone, the Mountain, and the Pacific. And when you can recruit all four time zones, it gives you a chance to really find the right guys to come play for your program and find the right guys to be a part of your program. and. They don't have to stay up to all hours of the night to watch your games. and uh, We play on primetime television out here, which is pretty cool, but when you're you know, somewhere on the East Coast, it becomes a little late, so the chance that we're going to be able to pair up, or match up uh, in the Alliance is going to give us some more opportunities for some different TV time, and that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, no, that will be co- uh, cool, Coach, I- and I'm glad you brought that up because I've always thought, especially in even the Heisman Trophy, you know, a- award ceremony and the voting, it always seems to be that anyone who's playing on the West Coast really doesn't get the attention and the burn that you know guys that are playing in the SEC, guys that are playing in the ACC are going to get. So that'll also, like you said, give you an opportunity to get more eyeballs on your program.
1: Oh yeah, and that's obviously the ultimate, uh, the ultimate plan, right? The more eyeballs you get in your program, uh, the more opportunities your players get. And uh, if we can get our players more opportunities and that us as the program have more opportunities and more TV time and, um, you know, with more shots at the uh, title gives us the best chance to, uh, to get one of those.
3: No doubt about it. And, Coach, before I let you go, i got to ask you one more time, how pumped are the players to be at Allegiant Stadium playing in that NFL stadium? I know the Rebels play there as well, but, man, I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful stadium that we've been in a couple times now. Uh, how pumped are they to be able to be there in that beautiful new stadium?
1: Oh, man, it's going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, I just I just know how it's going to look and what it's going to look like, and it's just going to be absolutely beautiful. And am uh, so fired up about that and so fired up for our players, and, and they know how awesome it's going to be too. So it's going to be a blast, and hopefully we have a ton of Arizona Wildcat
3: fans out there. Absolutely, Coach. Well, uh, good luck to you. It's going to be fun, fantastic. I can't wait to be there on September 4th to see you guys take on BYU for the Vegas kickoff classic, and I definitely appreciate your time this afternoon.
1: Sounds great. Thank you. Appreciate it, Cute. Take
3: care, man. All right. Appreciate you. There he goes. Coach Jed Fish right there, the Arizona Wildcats. They're taking on BYU September 4th, Allegiant Stadium. We have tickets. We've been giving out four-pack of tickets to that. It's going to be a hell of an event. I definitely encourage everyone to go out there. Of course, UNLV gets started on the 2nd. Then, boom, a couple days later, you're going to have the kickoff classic with uh, BYU-Arizona. Man, it's just going to be so much football action. And then, of course, September 13th, Monday Night Football, the Raiders and the Ravens. It doesn't. Get much better than that. Many thanks to Coach Jed Fish for joining us. This is Unnecessary Roughness on radio Nation Radio 920.
0: It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle.
3: need to see a
5: dog make a plate. No puppies. I need a dog to make a plate.
0: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
3: And John McClain is on the phone lines now from the Houston Chronicle to talk all things NFL. You can find John on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And John, appreciate you as always. And I've been looking forward to this conversation all week. I mean, you know I get fired up to talk to you anyway. But man, I've really been excited to talk to you this week. Uh, Earlier, Cliff Branch was named the senior finalist for the 2022 Hall of Fame class. Uh, John, take us through that process. Take us through what happened, and what does that mean for Cliff Branch right now?
6: That basically means that Cliff will be voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. When you're nominated as the coach, as Tom Flores was last year, or a contributor, and or a senior, our committee, the 48-member voting committee, Rubber stamps that selection. So for all intents and purposes, Cliff is in there. He'd come close a couple of times, and I'm really happy for Frank Cooney, who has represented the Raiders through the decades uh, with uh, the dignity, and helped uh, get him in, get the Raiders in there. I was really happy for Tom Flores last year because he's long overdue, but Cliff Branch because he's from Houston and he grew up here and he played at Colorado and. I'm glad, I'm happy for him, his family, his friends, not just in Raider Nation, but the ones who are back here. in Houston, and I'm just sorry that he's not alive to share in it. and uh, but the way it is, there's a there's a senior committee. Uh, I'm on the seniors committee and the coach committee and and uh, and whoever we nominate, and we we go over a list of finalists every year. And uh, then a group of five go to Canton. And determine and debate which guy is the nominee, and that's Cliff Branch. So he's as good as in. Hopefully, the, the night before the Super Bowl, uh, they will announce on the NFL Honors Show that Cliff Branch is a member of the 2022 class of 2022 Football of Fame
3: that is awesome that is music to my ears it's music to your ears of course big to a big houston native as cliff branches and uh just excited about that whole opportunity for his family i heard the call from david baker to his sister elaine i thought that that was one it was really emotional but just uh knowing how much cliff wanted to be in the hall uh, that's that's an exciting moment right there and john what you said he came close a few times what change in the presentation this time if anything
6: it's never that somebody doesn't deserve it. If you look at the candidates queue, it is hard. It is hard to, to select finalists. It's hard to select the people to go in because there's just so many who are deserving. And I'm sh- I know I've told you this, and I'm sure I've told you this since you moved to Las Vegas, but uh, it's worth telling the story again because you have so many Raider fans who are listening. And I can't remember. it's about five years before Al Davis died. And Al and I used to talk, and the only reason he liked to talk to me is I was a kid, and I watched the AFL, and because it was so much more exciting than the NFL, Waco, Texas, I was nine years old when uh, Cowboys and Oilers came into the NFL and AFL, and AFL threw the ball all over the place, plus, and the Cowboys were awful, and Houston won the first two AFL championships, and they beat the Chargers, and Al was on those stats with Sid Gilman. So I could talk about the old days of the AFL, and he liked that. And so about five years before Al died, I asked him one time at an NFL meeting, what Raider, tell me one Raider, who is the most deserving of being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So this would have been 10, 12 years ago, and there have been some Raiders to go in since. And I had to Admit, Q, I was looking for Lester Hayes, another Houston native, Mm -hmm. because Lester had been a finalist several times, but he just couldn't get over the hump. And so I thought he would tell me Lester Hayes, and I would go back to the committee and say, hey, here's what Al Davis said. And instead he immediately said Cliff Branch. And I said, why? And he explained how Cliff helped dictate some Raiders' Game plans with his great speed and being a great receiver and route runner. And also, he had such an impact on defenses, and he just got up there like he was showing. When he went over it, it was like he was on the field coaching uh, Cliff when he was getting off the line of scrimmage, except it was real slow motion. <laughs> but it was so impressive, and I told him, I said, I'm going to take this back to the committees, and he said, I hope you do. And so I have. Every time that we've met, I've told him what Al Davis said about that, and I'm glad that uh, I wish I was still around to see it, just like Cliff. But uh, because he would be so. Happy for Cliff
3: Branch yeah no he really would and I know uh Mark Davis the current owner is very excited they were very tight uh, that's his best friend and so I know Mark is excited when when we found out the news JT with the brick was on the air and of course JT is close with Br- uh, with uh Cliff as well and uh he he got a little emotional as well so everyone is real pumped up about this I didn't know John after after this past year leaving Canton Ohio I, I didn't know when the next time I was gonna go back you know to see a Raider get in but to see Cliff Branch go in just the following year uh, right after after Tom Flores is going to be awesome. And and you said something that really caught my attention as well. And, and you know, being here in Las Vegas, there's a lot of new Raider fans that don't really know the history of the Raiders. And, John, you've been around and you were around Al Davis a lot. You, you got to have a lot of conversations with him. What did he mean to what we see now as the NFL? Al
6: started off as a coach, and he had a great respect for the game. He worked for Sid Gilman, loved Sid Gilman. Nobody could tell Al Davis what to do except Sid Gilman. One time, I think it was in 1999, when the Browns came back, and while we were in Cleveland for the induction ceremony, they had a big party at Cleveland's new stadium on Lake Erie. And so they bust people down there, Hall of Famers, their families, people on the committees, whatever owners wanted to go, and... One of the funniest things I have ever seen was when people were lined up in the concourse to get into the stadium level, to get into the club level, to have the party. I was walking by, and I see all these Hall of Famers lined up. And Sid, I believe, was in a wheelchair, and I believe they had him on a golf cart, if I remember correctly and Al Davis had come by and was trying to talk to him. So instead of looking down at Sid to talk to him, Al got on one knee so he could be about eye level with Sid Gilman, and you never saw Al Davis on his knee to anybody. And that's how (laughs) much respect he had for Sid Gilman, and he wasn't the only one that was doing that. Sid was the head coach and general manager of the Oilers before I got here and turned around this franchise, and Al had great respect for him. That said, always got a lot of uh, credit for being a. If you want to know something about the passing game of quarterbacks, right up until he died, he had tapes sent to him so he could watch performances. And Al loved said Gilman and said, gave him his choice, gave him his opportunity to be in the NFL. And then when Al was named commissioner of the American Football League and had to go to New York, His PR guy was Mickey Herskowitz, the longtime columnist for the Houston Post and the Houston Chronicle, who covered the American Football League, and they hit it off, and so Al brought Mickey as his PR guy. And then when he had the merger, which Al Davis played a huge role in, because uh, Al wanted to go to war. Uh, Lamar Hunt, who co-founded the American Football League with Oilers owner Bud Adams, Lamar was the ringleader of the owners, But he wanted to take a more peaceful approach, and Al wanted to go to war. Bud went on Al's side. They wanted to sign NFL veteran free agents, not just compete for the draft choices. And there was a meeting where Lamar Hunt, he was on one side of the table, and Al was on the other, and he said, people who agree with me, this is how we're going to do it. We're not signing their free agents, just competing for rookies. Sit on my side. And if you want to go after their veterans, sit on Al's side. The only one it did was Bud Adams, but that helped. That got back to Tex Schramm, the Cowboys owner, who was, I mean, general manager who was heavily involved in the negotiations for a merger. And he told them they're coming after our veterans. And that's one thing that precipitated the merger. And so Al played a big part in that. So he was an assistant coach. Nobody ever really knew what the hell a managing general partner was. It's something he picked and nobody else in history had that title, but he was a czar who ran the Raiders, and then he went off to be the commissioner and he came back. And some people thought Al was very bitter that Pete Rosell was the commissioner over the National Football League after the merger instead of him. But had, they, had he been, you know, the Raiders wouldn't have won all the Super Bowls they had because he was the architect. And the fact that he was a great personnel man, I had some players and coaches say a coach might be teaching personnel. Say to an offensive lineman. And Al Davis would be sitting over on a golf cart, and Al would see something he didn't like, and he would jump up and run over there. And he might coach that guy a little different technique. And they always knew Al's technique superseded anything a coach said because he was a coach right until the end. And he was usually sat in a press box queue, and he would get mad, and he would throw fits, and everybody knew you didn't talk to Al Davis during a game when he
3: was upset. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it right there. That's great. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle talking all things NFL and just really doing a deep dive on the Raiders and Al Davis uh, here on Unnecessary Roughness. And, uh, John, uh, thank you for that story, man. That's that's amazing right there. Love to hear that. I did want to ask you about the preseason as it's getting ready to get wrapped up. The Raiders play the 49ers on Sunday. It's the final preseason uh, this week is for everybody. Uh, how do you think coaches have kind of navigated through this preseason since it's only three games this year instead of four?
6: We're not going to know till regular season comes. But last year, at Q, with all the limitations because of COVID-19, ultimately the NFL did an extraordinary job of pulling off the season. We all had dire predictions about how many games they would play, and they did it. They pulled it off, and they'll pull it off now. And usually what happens, the good teams are good no matter what right? because they're run well. The bad teams are bad no matter what because they're not. Nice. And there will be some others that surprise you, like Cleveland last year, and you wonder, okay, who's going to be Cleveland this year? There's always a good surprise, and there's always a bad surprise. This time last year, Q, we were wondering if the Texans were going to be able to get get past the second round of the playoffs. They beat Buffalo in the playoffs. They go to Kansas City. They're up 24-0 in the second quarter everybody's thinking they're going to play an ASU championship game, and they choked that lead. So this time last year we're thinking, all right, can they get beyond the second round? And they finished 4-12. So <laughs> who's going to be Houston this year? Who's going to be Cleveland this year? And some will emerge. And I'll tell you, we're going to see a lot of starters playing in the third game because they have always played in the third game. And they get two weeks off. It's the first time they've had two weeks to get ready, really a bye week. And I'm guessing coaches are going to give those players some off days next week based on how hard they worked in training camp, and the players will welcome that. But if you were dumb enough or, or pig-headed enough not to get a vaccine, you can't go anywhere because you got to get tested every day while all your buddies are going to be scattering all over the country and might even be coming
3: to Las Vegas. <laughs> right, absolutely. We're talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. And last year, John, uh, the Raiders traded Lynn Bowden Jr., a, a former third-round pick, to Miami. And uh, a lot of people talk so bad about it because they had just drafted him and then they traded him to the third round. and Or they traded him to Miami uh, before you know they even got into the regular season. This year, matter of fact, today, the Baltimore Ravens, they trade Sean Wade, who was a fifth-round pick, to, to the Patriots. Do you think you're going to start to see more teams just go ahead and, and – and trade a guy, even though he hasn't even played a a full game yet for for their team, just go ahead and say, hey, this is not a fit. We're going to go ahead and move on from him now?
6: First of all, rosters have to be reduced to 53 on Tuesday at at, uh, uh, 1 o'clock your time. And then the next day you can have a 16-player practice squad like last year with veteran players. So a lot of guys who get cut are going to end up on your team anyway, and they have to clear waivers. But in the case of the trade at this point, uh, usually it's a player you're going to cut, or you have a lot of depth at that position, or he didn't fit. As you said, the Texans cut a player this week, a tight end, Cahali Waring, 6'6", 256 pounds, looked like Tarzan, hit like Jane. They gave him over two years, he just didn't fit, they cut him, had a lot of tight ends, and three teams claimed him, including the Patriots. Now he's gone to New England, I expect him to be on the Patriots roster, so Uh, they i guarantee you they tried to trade him the teams know at this point okay they're going to cut him i'll get him but the problem is there's no guarantee you're going to get him unless you have the first pick on the waiver wire if you don't and you're worried that somebody ahead of you is going to get it go up and give go ahead and give a low draft choice to get a player and i think that's what happened with Wade.
3: yeah that's what it sounds like for sure uh john do you expect to have any uh surprise cuts from the texans
6: Oh, I think every team will have surprise cuts, especially if you have a new regime as they do here. You know, veteran teams generally cue the turnovers 35 to 40% anyway. Here it might be 70 to 75% as they weed out the old and in with the new. And, uh, but if you don't make changes, you're going to get stagnant. So even the good teams make a lot of changes, except Tampa. I've never seen. A team bring back every starter from a Super Bowl team. This time last year, everybody was making a big deal out of Chiefs. They're going to win the Super Bowl. They got all but two starters back, and they made the Super Bowl. And got beat by Tampa Bay. So, Bucks are trying to be the first team to win back to back since the Patriots of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the early 2000s. Odds are against them, just like it happens to every Super Bowl winner. But it's going to be fun to watch, and I. I can't wait to see the cuts. It'll be a whole week of jockeying for position as players come and go, crisscrossing the country. And Q, if you don't have your vaccination, you want to try out, you got to quarantine for five days. And I'm just wondering, why do you, did you put yourself through all of that? And you know players gonna get cut because they're not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. They won't say so. Players won't get signed because they're not vaccinated, and they'll they'll rail about it but they can't prove it, that's why I've told you for weeks, you've got to be a nincompoop to not get vaccinated.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. We've been talking about it quite a bit here on the radio station. Some folks don't want to hear it, but it's the absolute truth. So uh, we'll see exactly how it shakes out next week at this time. We'll know know about the cuts already, and we'll be talking about it. So uh, great stuff as always, John, man. I definitely appreciate you. You know that. Uh, What do you have coming out on Texas Sports Nation that uh, NFL fans, Texans fans need to be looking out for?
6: Well, that's things I write on there every day. We've got columns, we've got videos, we've got podcasts, notes, blogs, everything any NFL fan would want. And uh, thank you for having me every week. I do appreciate it. And good luck to John Gruden and Mike Mayock and the Raiders this season. The NFL is always more interesting when the Raiders are good, just like it's always more interesting when the Cowboys are good, as much as I hate to say it, and then the team that I think it's the most interesting when they're good is the Browns. It's been so long. I was so happy for them to have the season they did last year. And you never know, maybe it's the Raiders going to have the kind of season Cleveland did in 2020. There Thank you. you, Q.
3: Thank you, John. I appreciate you, my man. Good stuff. There he goes, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, that's my buddy right there, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL on Twitter. Uh, just a, a plethora of knowledge right there when it comes to the league. I uh, love the fact that he spent so much time with Al Davis. And, uh, Damon, I just saw your eyes continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger as John was telling the story about Al and, you know, Sid Gilman and all that and just kind of educating you. And, and, again, here in Las Vegas, our duty is to educate anyone who hasn't been a long time Raider fan, a lifelong Raider fan. Some people are new to the Raider Nation. This is our job, is to educate.
4: I felt greedy listening to that because <laughs> I didn't even care about anything else like, oh, current stuff, preseason, keep telling stories. Right, I right. Just, but it's like, no, 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 we got to save for I that because next week we can get another story. Right, was I just almost like, oh went God.
3: there. <laughs> <laughs> story time. I almost went there and asked him some more because I'm telling you, I've spent hours on top of hours sitting there with John McClain just – Getting stories and information and knowledge, and I mean, he he's he's probably forgotten more than I'll ever know. You know, what I mean, and that's just the the respect that I'll always give uh, that man. So I definitely appreciate him more than he'll ever know. Two forty-eighths of time. Many thanks to John for joining us right there and blessing us with some great stories on the uh, the Raiders, on Cliff Branch and Al Davis. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio nine twenty.
0: Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Reference.
3: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm
0: going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
3: Here's your boy Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, cover three NFL news and notes of the day. Just kind of scatter shoot. We'll talk about Sean Wade being traded from the Ravens to the New England Patriots. Fifth round pick out of Ohio State. He just played in the national championship game, the Baltimore Ravens. They drafted him, and they said he wasn't a fit. Wasn't a guy that, you know, that they think that they, they could use. So they traded him. The Raiders drafted Lynn Bowden Jr. third round last year. Thought, hey, you know what? This is a guy that we can't use. He's not going to be a fit. Let's go ahead and move on from him and get something for him. They did it and they caught hell. I haven't seen anyone today on Twitter blasting the Ravens for trading a guy because he was a fifth-round draft pick. Not seen one person, not one swinging D has said anything on Twitter and and, and talked trash. Like, everyone blasted the Raiders a year ago for doing the same thing. Third-round pick, fifth-round pick, I get it. It's a little bit different, but same concept. He doesn't fit? Move on. Get something for him? Great. That's what the Raiders were able to do. Let's go out to the Rare Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Gangster Raider. What's on your mind, my man?
5: Hey, what's up, Q? I just want to talk about, you know, one of my pet peeves in the last few years been our defensive line and our defensive line coach. And from the first few preseason games, I haven't seen anything to make me less um, pessimistic about the defensive line or our defensive line coach because we're not getting a lot of pressure. And, like you said, at quarterback number 16 for the Rams, he was running too freely on us. And so, I, I think with all the um, defensive line additions that we had during the offseason, I think we should have seen a little bit more improvement in the first. I know it's just preseason, but. I know I should have – I'm thinking I should have seen some kind of tangible improvement in the defensive line and the pressure being applied upon the Rams quarterback, you know what I'm saying? And I think um, Gus Bradley is going to regret not bringing in his own defensive line coach and sticking with that fraud, um, fraud Marinelli, you know what I'm saying, that fossil, I mean fraud Marinelli, because I just don't believe in him as a um, defensive line coach and I haven't seen anything in the first two preseason games. What do you think?
3: good call good call definitely appreciate you and uh rod marinelli is uh, very well respected across the league and i know he's a little bit older but uh i know john gruden has a a big time respect for him i know like i said he's very well respected across the league uh i'm very familiar with him as well i think that he's a hell of a defensive line coach um but i will with th- with that being said i will say there hasn't been enough pressure on the quarterback the last couple seasons uh there wasn't enough pressure there was guys getting to the quarterback the last the first two preseason games but they weren't completing the job every time. you know. I know Nate Hobbs, he got there on a blitz and uh, against the Rams, and that quarterback was able to get away from him, got a little slippery, and was able to get away. Uh, that is a concern, especially when you have Lamar Jackson coming in. That's something that I cannot deny is definitely a concern. You've got a guy who's way slipperier than Bryce Perkins in Lamar Jackson, and that's not a slight to, to Bryce. I'm just saying, Lamar Jackson is a former league MVP, so you know what he's able, able to do. The Raiders are going to have to find a way to get home, and they're also going to have to find a way to to really set the edge and maintain their lanes. And when they do get their hands on them, they've got to get him to go down. What does Al Davis say in the opener? got to get to the quarterback. He's got to go down. He's got to go down hard. That, I mean, that's going to ring true in a major way on September 13th, that Monday night football game. Now the next week you got big Ben. Now I know he's a tougher dude to get, you know, take down because he's bigger. But you ain't got to worry about him getting squirrely. Like you have to worry about Lamar Jackson getting squirrely out there. So uh, it'll be a little bit
4: different ball game in week two. But week one, good luck. It's the preseason. And, I, and I'm saying like, oh, preseason games don't count like that. But the biggest thing about this defensive line, you haven't seen the best two defensive linemen on the field. That'd be like, True. oh, man, the passing game isn't looking that good the preseason. Because it's not the starters.
3: That's a good point. That's a, that's a very good point. But what Gangster Raider was saying is he hasn't seen it the last few years. You know, what I mean, but no, so, he
4: also said this preseason, though, right, 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 like these past two preseason he's, games,
3: but he's basing what I'm saying is he's basing his his feelings off what he saw the last couple of years and then what he's seen early in preseason. But to your point, you're right. The big dogs haven't been out there. So we got to kind of wait and, before we pass judgment. But again, I opened the show asking what you feel like you learned about this team. And he's saying what he feel like he learned is that that <laughs> defensive line, that pass rush isn't there yet.
4: I'm just saying it's, no, it's get, one of those. It's you know, You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong, but he's not either. I mean, it makes sense. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes sense on both sides. but right. I, I, I'm just on the side of just, just like, waiting oh, to see. Man, man, these receivers, this passing game don't look that crisp. Right. How do the, tit- yeah. the Titans look so far? Hey, <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, man. All right. That's that's where Gangster <laughs> Raiders is coming from. Let's go back out
3: to the Raider Nation listener line. Let's talk to Raider Mike. What's on your mind, my man? What's up,
4: you? Chilling, man. Chilling. Hey, Demon, you still
3: owe me
2: Onyx a little slam down Ooh,
3: for me yes
2: if you could man that that that's one of my best hip-hop songs ever made i
3: think i love it anyway i love hey Rader mike real quick i love that yeah. song so much whenever that song used to come on back in the day i'd be in the bay I uh, was still living in my mama's house, and I was listening to Cameo all the time. And Onyx would come on, slam, and I had a pager, and I had a, a, a girlfriend at the time named Carla, and that was her song too. So every single time, and this is you want to talk about a dude who might have been somewhat whipped. That song came on, man. I used to run to my mama's phone and page her, talk about slam is on <laughs> every single time it'd come on the radio. It was ridiculous, but that's that's what I remember about that song.
2: That's a great song to slam too. <laughs> <Paul Carter. laughs>
3: you know what I mean? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I love it. Great. That's a drop right there.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, um, I loved uh, the dude from Die Hard, John McClane. Yes. That guy, I could listen to his stories all day. There's just certain guys, and they're all old school like that, that just have story after story after story. Get him on as much as you can. <clears throat> And to touch what I all have been touching on since Raider Nation started, uh, the Hall of Fame with Cliff. I mean, you look at the stats, of comparing to Swan, Bob Hayes, Pier, uh, and Drew Pearson. And Swan and Hayes got in in the 80s and 70s, and he destroyed their stats. So it's, it's, it's just so frustrating because the man deserved to get up there and give that – it would have been an electrifying speech. Up there with Wood, see Wood. Right, it would have been that good, and to rob him of that, I mean, Cliff and Kenny, it, they're they're dead, and now you put them in. I mean, that's just it's heartbreaking. It is It really hurts me because um, I grew up watching this team from '68. I watched all those great passes from Snake to Cliff, every one, and uh, it's one of the most beautiful football ever ever seen, at least for as far as the 70s and 80s. So very frustrating. We still have some work to do, though. He mentioned the judge, and it's good to hear he's just getting short because that guy was shut down half the field. He was an amazing cornerback. I loved watching him. And his stance before the hike is the best <laughs> ever. Yeah. Just intimidating. Yep. I have a Texas A&M fifth-round pick.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Call out to Nate Hobbs, baby. They play alike. So, anyway, Townsend needs to go in as well. Plunkett, for sure. The Assassin, for sure. And I'd have to go Todd Christensen as well. Um, so, we still got work to do. Love the show, guys. And lastly, uh, I think we're waiting until Tuesday to sign K.J. Wright in case somebody shakes out cheaper where we can keep Richard and sign a guy for $2.5 That's my theory. I don't know if it's
3: true, but uh, I'll
2: call you guys tomorrow.
3: Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Great call, Raider Mike. I love it. Love the passion there. And that's how Raider Nation gets down, man. All the passion. And John McClain, uh, you'll you'll be happy to know that he joins us every single Thursday at 2.30. Um, My regular guest, if I had one guest that I was going to bring with me from Texas here, it was definitely going to be John McClain. So uh, he was happy to do it and jump on the show each and every Thursday again at 2.30 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Coming up next... Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day. This is Unnecessary Roughness.
0: Did you miss one of your favorite Raiders radio shows? Podcast for the morning tailgate. The JT The Brick Show. Unnecessary Roughness. And In the Huddle can all be found on our website. So check out lvsportsnetwork.com anytime and listen whenever you want. Nothing is better than day baseball. Listen Saturday at 1230 as the New York Yankees head out to the Bay Area to play the A's on ESPN Las Vegas. Brought to you by Finley Chevrolet, home of the... Visit Best Mattress today to experience for yourself all the amazing new advances in sleep technology and get our Labor Day rollback prices with savings up to $1,800 on the world's